Welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360, and with me is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we commence episode 65 today, March 31st, 2018. To get the most out of Joygasm, follow us on the social media of choice and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. Also, for exclusive access and some pretty sweet goodies, check us out at patreon.com slash joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us some love because we always appreciate getting some feedback from you lovely listeners out there. This episode will actually not have any gaming or movie news, so it'll be a bit shorter than usual, but that's okay. We're going to do a little bit of the typical house cleaning as well as catching up with each other before we dive into a little bit of the Ready Player One review action so steve yeah how are you uh ready for a little player one russ <laughs> if you're player one what does that make me no, that makes you player two Ooh. actually you know but when we were growing up you're always player one and i was always player two oh, that, that that is a, a very accurate observation i was tails you were sonic yes always no matter how much i wanted to be sonic you you chose sonic you were the tails to my sonic although when we played altered beast it didn't matter didn't matter player one or two nah, no no or gunstar heroes true or contra True. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. No. no. Uh, well, what have you been playing, Russ? Oh, he's, he's just going to badminton it right back over the net to me. He's not even going to tell me what's new with him. <laughs> I have been having a blasty blast playing Sea of Thieves with you. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we can uh, talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. So I ended up buying Steve, which by the way, I still need to <coughs> give you the <coughs> cashola for that. I'll have to uh, give you a little 20s action after the show. Indeed. But we ended up getting you a copy of Sea of Thieves, which has proven to be quite enjoyable, I must say. It's really fun to have my brother with me as part of the crew and it's been really fun to like just try out the different classes of ships together like the there's the galleon which is the the, the large it's the ginormous one yeah black pearl size ship and then what, what's the smaller one called it's like the slop or the something. sloop the sloop slop <laughs> you guys want to take the slop <laughs> It's pretty sloppy. <laughs> Sleek, though. It's pretty quick. But what's fun about the sloop is that you have the opportunity to either just go <laughs> lone wolf, just, just solo it all the way through, which right. is fun in its own way, but at the same time, it is also perilous. Just, yeah, that's a good word, Steve. Yes, it is. I, I, I would describe it exactly as that. It's very perilous because you are going to be instantly outnumbered, outgunned, just just about out everything. Out, well, except for vulnerability, you're going to be extremely vulnerable, surrounded by a vulnerable. You're either not going to be guarding your ship or your valuables, which mm-hmm. people are going to be like, oh, there's a ship docked and no one's on it. Let's go raid it and see what's up. Yeah. Or the entire enemy, depending on if there's one person or, or two or four, mm-hmm. uh, will, will jump you, mug you, take all your stuff, or just enjoy just spawn killing you. Yep. Yeah, no, and there is definitely risk involved, but I will say that there have been times when I decided to just go solo, and it's been enjoyable in its own way. It's kind of cool not constantly having to 
have orders barked at you. I, th- I think that's one of the, the things about the game that I, I notice quite a bit, especially when you're playing with strangers. It, once again, it's, it's this kind of uh, variety of different kind of responses I have where on the one hand, it's really cool to be able to meet new gamers. Like right. this, this game has really facilitated the opportunity to be able to meet some really fun other individuals. I think this game is probably the first game since Halo where I've, really started to amass more friends. My friend list has grown yeah. just from playing this game. I think I've been playing it for one week and I think I've added at least 10 new friends to my friends list and we've played on um, multiple voyages. It's not just yeah. like a one-time thing and we never see him again. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing today? You're going, going on and having a good old time. But at the same time, also, I find it to be a little tiresome when like there's a complete stranger who you don't know who's like barking orders at you like the whole time. It's kind of like, dude, <laughs> I've got the sales. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I know you want to play Mr. Captain over here. Yeah. But, uh, Put your little pirate hat on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said port, port, port. Yeah. Aft. Aft. Why does everything suddenly become nautical? Because we're on a, vir- a virtual ship. <laughs> Just say right or left front or back. That way everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it, it goes back and forth because there are certain people who we've played with that have been just really talented at the game. They, they really know right. their stuff. They put a lot of hours in and, and it's been a lot of fun to play. And some people have really good senses of humor. Right. It's, it's yeah, just fun yeah. to banter with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. And then when it comes to with you and I, what's great is that we have, like I said, we've we've gone back and forth. So like we've done the two player sloop, which right. has been a lot of fun too. just having the brothers going out onto the high seas and being able to do what we do. And then also just party up with either friends of ours or just complete other gamers from uh, around the globe to be able to do what we do. <laughs> So there was a time when I, I had a lucky night. It was actually the night. That sounded kind of bad. <laughs> it was actually the night where uh, I jumped online and I saw you. And so I go, oh, right, yeah, I'll just, uh, you know, join up with him. Here you go. I'll sail the seas. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, 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 uh, uh, Steve. Yeah. Uh, normally. Uh, yeah. Can you. Uh, so I'm going to be paired with other people. So if you could go away, and we, we'll just get back together later on. I'm like, that oh, was the funniest thing because, right. like, yeah. I was I was partied up with three Canadians actually, Canucks, and uh, it was a lot of fun because they just they took me under their wing. They they were far yeah. ahead, you know, from where my right. what my pitiful little sailor was. I'm finding that's very common. Yeah, between you and me, like everybody we join up with, are like, hey, you guys are kind of low level. You're, you're, yeah, you're right. yeah, um, yeah. What the cool thing is, and this is, this is actually one of the neatest aspects to the game, is that it encourages cooperative play. So when you join a crew, the coolest thing about it is it doesn't matter what level you are as a pirate or a sailor, whatever you want to call yourself. The cool thing about it is that when you go out and you find treasures and that sort of thing, the higher the level, then the more valuable or, or more bounty you will collect as opposed right. to being a low level pirate or right. sailor. So this is super cool because you can get with someone who's maybe 20 levels ahead of you. Right. And they have been able to achieve and score these really nice voyages from the merchants that will reap a whole lot better than what you would get on your own. That's exactly what happened. If I can continue my story. Absolutely. So Please I, continue, Steve. I jump right down the sloop and I'm, I'm in the captain's quarters. And 
So I'm running around. I'm like, okay, we got enough cannonballs, bananas, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I jump up on deck and, and there was another player there that didn't know I was on board. And so, uh, it's cool because we were both talking, but we weren't linked up. So he kind of sounded a little bit distant. Yeah. I can hear what he's saying. And so then he looks at me and goes, oh! <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, and he goes, Oh man, you scared me. I didn't know that. I thought that was the only one here. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh yeah, I just joined up, you know, sorry about that. So he was just hit his friend had been with him and had to go and he yeah. was finishing up the quest. And he goes, I need to go too. Let's just get back to the outpost. we got to unload some stuff. And I mm-hmm. go, okay. So he says, you can have the remainder of this quest here. Just vote on it before I go. And it's yours. And yeah. I go, oh, all right. So I vote on it and then he, you know, cashes in his stuff. And so I get to reap the benefits of that as well. And then, so I start sailing off. And someone else from India joins me. Oh, cool. And he was typing like a mile a minute on one of those pads. Yeah, Good yeah. Thing. You could hear me speak, but I couldn't type anything. Yeah. And so he was helping me out and then he had to go. And so I'm, I'm getting all this stuff. Yeah. And then I had this other dude join up with me. He's like, hey, whoa. You know? <laughs> whoa. We just like, got hey, poured man. it in here from the nether sphere. <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, so what are we doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm down for whatever. I just have this quest. He goes, whoa. This is like a level 100 quest, bro. Like, are you are you up there? I'm like, actually, no. This is what happened. And I told him, he goes, well, let's just do it. So we end up going out, finishing the quest, and uh, going back to the outpost, getting rich like crazy. We, uh-huh. we, and then he goes, oh, you see that out there? Look out there. And there was another ship that was attacking another ship. Uh-huh. Goes, let's just go rob him. And I thought, all right, well, I guess I'm going to be part of rob the robbing crew now. Uh-huh. We sail out, and it's in the middle of a storm. It's when we get them. So they're distracted. Sure. They had destroyed the other ship, but had found a ship wreck. Mm. And so we had anchored right there next to them. And he, and he's jumping out. He goes, you keep on board the ship because the storm is going to be crazy. Yeah. And we have to, you have to like repair the thing. Yeah. I'm going to go over there and blow their ship up. <laughs> and I'm going to steal all of their stuff. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm aboard the ship and he jumps off and swims toward the other ship, but he's laughing as he's doing it. And so you see his little avatar swimming across going, <laughs> you know, Joe goes over there, gets on his other person's ship, finds a, a gunpowder barrel. I'm just sitting there like my bucket dumping out uh-huh. water try, and get, yo, trying to yo, yo, <laughs> dodge and getting hit by lightning beam. everywhere. And, um, so all of a sudden I see this big, you know, this explosion. He's like, ah, he's laughing. I'm like, what is going on? Swims back with like a chest of something, you know, uh, and, and um, then the people are trying to repair their ship. He, we fire cannons at them, you know, destroy sure. them. And then we jump back on their ship as it's sinking and steal stuff. Then we steal the rest of the remainder on the, the, the sunken ship that they were pillaging. Wow. So then we went back. I mean, I think I jumped like three or four levels in that in like 10 minutes just because of all the stuff we got. That's awesome. It was nuts. Yeah. So how much gold do you have amassed so far? Uh, well, I think I have, I, I had about 15,000 or 16,000. Right. Okay. So not, not bad. bad for a noob. So I got myself a, a nice little new spyglass and I have a oh, lantern good. and uh, I got myself some, uh, let's see, what did I get? I think I got, um, oh, I got a belt. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up your trousers. <laughs> so that was fun. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same kind of deal, um, especially with those three Canadians that I was playing with. And that was the funniest thing because when they saw your name pop into the the party list, yeah. they're like, who's this? And like, and what's funny is that all three of them like to, um, 
you know, just bust each other's balls and, and just, I don't know. Like, like if you weren't part of the crew, they, they could be pretty crass and yeah. stuff. But, um, I told them immediately and I'm like, Oh, that's my brother. And they're like, they all, they all stopped talking they're like, well, this is awkward. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Good. I was like, oh, hey. And then I immediately <laughs> knew like, I'm not supposed to be here. I know I'm not. <laughs> like they're expecting someone else. And, and, well, and they were trying to get one of their, their other friends to, to join up with us. And so they, I mean, later on, they're like, yeah, I hope like, you know, that he wasn't like upset or offended or I'm like, yeah. no, no, he's fine. He's fine. I'll, I'll join him later. But it, I'm glad that I was able to stay with them because we went to one of those skull islands that had the, it's like a skull cloud that you'd see right. in the distance. We actually went there. We took out all of the different types of enemies that were on the, uh, the island. And as a result, we just, man, we, we just made out like bandits. Like we actually ended up going over <clears> to <throat> the outpost and, and delivered all this gold. I mean, currently I have now 45,000 gold. <laughs> And my thing is, so my strategy is, is I don't want to buy anything for my character yet because the, most of what I have seen from the character is cheaper yeah. versus what you can buy for your ship. Right. And so my thing is, I'm just going to keep saving and saving and saving. I want to buy, I want to buy the expensive stuff first right? and then buy stuff for the character because it won't take as long. I have one last story for you. Yeah. So one night we were playing the game and you left and I thought, ah, I just want to do one more thing. You know, I'm not kind of tried. I'm not done yet. Yeah. But we had just left the outpost. Mm -hmm. And so I'm running back to the ship and I see this galleon coming in mm -hmm. and they have all the, the, you know, the sails the, and, and the, the, the bow is decorated. I mean, the thing looks beautiful. And yeah. so I'm like, whoa. And so I run over there to the edge of the dock and I can hear him say, what's that guy? His name is Stevovich. Is that him? <laughs> Who's that? And so I, I'm thinking, okay, there's at least two of them, uh -huh. not four. And I don't want to, I just want to be peaceful, you know? So I go to the edge of the dock and I'm like, Aah! you know, just cheering. And, uh -huh. like, hey. and so some guy picks me off, sniper. Oh, uh, okay. Goes, I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then uh, he's like, <laughs> I hear this guy go, oh, got him. <laughs> on their end and then I hear the other guy go oh good stuff man good stuff I'm like okay that's it so I after what I get out of pirate purgatory uh -huh. I get back on my ship I'm thinking I wonder if they're still there they might have just done some big quests and had a bunch of stuff to offload so I'm sailing like a madman as fast as I can go back to the, the outpost and they're still there oh how and funny and they're docked I'm like oh this is it and so <laughs> I'm going full speed ahead and I jump off the ship and had you know, I did a whole Star Wars thing. I sure. had my ship ram their ship uh -huh. and I'm jumping aboard it and I'm thinking I'm just going to steal something and this, they're going to be distracted by what just happened because it's loud and you know, yeah. their ship just got hit really hard. And so I'm there and all their stuff was gone anyway. And, um, and so I'm hiding uh, near the brig uh -huh. with my sword ready, right? And I hear all of them jumping aboard, all their like footsteps uh -huh. on the wood. And I hear the swords being on, sink, 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 sink. Yeah. Like, just ready to kill me. And then I pulled a Bilbo Baggins, right? As soon as they got down, I left the game. I thought they were all just going to jump me. I'm going to die sure. anyway. But, you know, I would save, I would rob them of the pleasure of slaughtering me. There you go. So I, I had a, a little, little passive aggressive yeah, behavior exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. Well, that is, see, okay, what we have just been conversing about, that is part of the secret sauce of this game, is the community engagement and the water cooler moments that just make for fun storytelling. I mean, I've been completely entertained by these couple of different adventures that, that you were describing to me, and I think that's probably the greatest strength of the game itself is that everybody's going to have their own stories to tell. 
And that's what's kind of fun about it is like just, you know, you get to go out there and be a pirate and then you have these unpredictable things that will occur. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And then, you know, whether it, it turned out for better or for worse, it still makes for an entertaining story. Right. One of the things I don't think I actually talked to you about is I noticed that I wasn't earning any achievements in the game. And I was thinking to myself, man, like, like, don't, I, would, I think I would have seen an achievement yeah. of some kind because I've put right. a pretty solid amount of hours into this game. And, you know, like, like with the gold hoarders, I think I'm up to like level 19. I'm almost at level 20 for that. And then for the, the merchants, uh, I think I'm maybe around level 14 or 15, something like that. And then uh, with the, the undead portion, that, that's my lowest. I think I'm like around like, 10 or 11 or something to that effect. But I mean, there's enough action that has transpired. So I look online and actually rare has been having server issues ever since they launched the title, which a lot of people already know about. But what's interesting is that some of the issues are so big, they've had to temporarily turn off certain portions of the game. And the achievements is one of those things that they had to turn off. And so it made sense. It was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, because like, man, they got some hardcore achievements here because I'm just not seeing anything happen. And I was wondering when they turn the achievements back on, will it like honor all the different um, achievements that I've already done, like just kind of retro date it in a way, but it, it doesn't do that, unfortunately. And so like while we were playing just last night, I was getting achievement after achievement after achievement because of all these little kind of beginner esque things that I become more expert at. So I just kind of do it on a more normal basis. So unfortunately there are certain things that I probably would have gotten achievements on. I just didn't. So I'm just going to have to kind of grind my way through that. And that's fine because there are a lot of achievements in this game and a lot of them are quite fun. I was looking them up on my Xbox account and just kind of seeing what they have. And so it looks pretty fun, but you know, another thing that I thought was worthy of mention too, was the, the treasure chest that we dug up. That was, um, the chest of sorrows. And that was really funny because for us, that was the first time we had dug up one of those. And we, um, if, for those of you who haven't dug this thing up yet, it's, it's actually a cool looking chest. It has kind of the sculpture of the face of Poseidon or something. And it, it just, it just looks ancient. It looks really cool. But what was interesting was like, I, I, so I dug this thing up and we're heading back to our, our boat and I keep hearing the sound of someone crying in the distance. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? And I didn't know if it was like an animal or, or just a glitch or what. And, and, it, and it kind of faded away. So I didn't pay any mind to it. And I get on the ship and I put the treasure chest down and then I start hearing this, this, this man crying again. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? And by that time you had gotten back on board too. And we started setting sail. Well, then all of a sudden I start hearing this leaking sound. And so I, I, I think I asked you to go down and just check the, the bottom of the boat. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're taking on water. I'm like, what? I'm like, is there any, are there any leaks? And you said, no, there are no leaks. And so you were like getting your, your bucket out and trying to get the water out of the boat. And meanwhile, I'm also moving around. I'm thinking, what is causing it? And then all of a sudden I look over at the chest and there's all this water that's just spilling out of the chest as this, this treasure chest is crying. And so I was both just horrified at the idea of us sinking, but also just completely amused and laughing at the same time, because that was such a novel idea of having more of that supernatural quality into the game where like perhaps 
I don't know. It's something that you would see in like a Disney movie or something, right? So it was just a lot of fun to like be able to, to deal with that as we brought it back to the, the port. And that treasure chest was worth quite a bit of gold. I mean, we got almost 4,000 gold out of that. I told one of the people who joined up with me about that chest and they said, yeah, you, what you have to do is you actually have to play music. Oh. You have to play music to it and it stops crying. I thought, mm, learn something new every day. Well, and didn't you also discover that if you play music uh, when you're close to a snake, it that's calms the, yeah. the snake down? The, the guy told, that same person told me that. Okay. And then the same person told me about the vomiting in the bucket. Too. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very knowledgeable fellow, this person. Uh, but, that, but again, that is some of the discoveries that are ultimately keeping me wanting to come back to the game. I'm finding that, and, and let me tell you, that's a big deal because normally my, our go-to game is Overwatch. Right. And really, Overwatch has been put placed on the shelf over this past week just because Sea of Thieves, it's just, it's a fun game that has certain discoveries and surprises and unpredictabilities that just make for, for just a, an enjoyable game. And it's just fun to be able to sail the high seas. It's, it's bizarre, but like, I just like being out on the water and hanging out with you and just going and doing some of the, these types of um, voyages that aren't demanding of our every like flinch mm-hmm. hardcore gamer tactics or anything like that. But then at the same time, like you perhaps we'll get into more of the fighting and stuff. And I think, we're still kind of crappy at being able to, to win battles, but I can tell we're getting better. Like they're like, we're just just constantly improving on like the ship tactics and also the aim. I was doing really well in the cannon last night. I mean, just just in terms of just making those, those direct hits, which is saying something because in the past (laughs) I would just be completely undershooting or overshooting the (laughs) cannonballs. So there are, I, I was thinking about this too. Things I'd like to see. I would like to see more NPCs in the world because at this point, the only time we ever see or come across them are on the outpost islands and they're just these little stationary merchants and they're just hanging out and you can buy stuff from them. I think that being able to come across NPCs throughout the world where perhaps you can gain new voyages from or just something to that effect where just it's the, the world is more populated with, with NPCs doing things. Even if like you were to see NPCs who are looking for their own treasures and you're able to fight them and steal their stuff, that would be really cool because at that point, then it's almost like practice. It's like you're able to to do that so that when you take on um, non-NPC characters, obviously they're going to be a lot tougher because they're human players at that point. But at least then it's like, okay, you understand the basics of what you can and can't do. Also too, when you're on the high seas, I would love to be able to see NPC ships like let's just take the skeletons for for example like those are the only like enemy NPCs in the game it'd be awesome if those skeletons would would have like some kind of undead ship like a galleon sure. sized ship that just has this cool like skeleton theme to it or whatever and then they try and, and, and sink you and you're trying to sink them and perhaps like they would have some treasures on their ship and that sort of thing because that way it's like oh cool like you, for one, it would, once again, it would populate more of the ocean. So you'd have more stuff going on, but also too, I think 
it, you're not constantly having to rely on like, oh, if you see another human ship somewhere and then you don't know if you're going to lose your stuff or they're going to lose their stuff, that sort of thing. That would be still kind of more of the, the epic battles that you would come across. But I think that would be a lot more fun. Another thing I was thinking about too is a lot of times in these MMOs, like for instance, in Destiny 2, you know, we've, we've been playing some of that in the past. They have... I believe I'm a little rusty at remembering where this stuff is, but I believe it's PVE, but essentially like you can go to these different locations that have timed events where essentially like you have to take out a certain number of enemies. And then there's always like a, some sort of big boss, like Epic boss battle. And then when you defeat that boss, then it all of a sudden yields all of these different rewards that you can get to upgrade your character or whatever it is. I mean, how cool would it be if like, if, if Sea of Thieves had something where you would see, say for instance, like a huge ship, like something that dwarfs the Galleon's ship itself. And it, it, it's, it's an NPC thing. You have like some sort of like, you know, ramping up. So you have like maybe some smaller boats, like, like for instance, like a fleet, like a mini fleet where you have like smaller boats and you're taking those out. And then all of a sudden, like the huge big kahuna appears and it just, it just takes forever to take out. And what it could do from a gameplay perspective is cause players like you and I and other people to temporarily form an alliance. So instead of us constantly fighting each other, we then group up together and take on this behemoth, boss battle and then when the boss battle ends then all there's like all this treasure and stuff and people can grab it and then the fun part of that would then be okay what's going to happen are these uh different boats going to like part ways and go their own way or are they going to start attacking each other and trying to get the treasure and stuff that would be so fun because once again you don't know what's going to happen like like you wouldn't want to be too greedy like maybe grab just enough stuff and then be able to try and sneak your way out because like imagine if you had like five or six human, you know, gamer controlled ships that are all in there and they're all taking on this huge other ship. I mean, just the, the visual spectacle of that would be extremely satisfying, I would think. Right. And then of course, once again, just it's, it's that it's almost like a pirates of the Caribbean style where like, you know, everyone's all cheering like, yeah, we defeated the boss. Yeah, good job. And all of a sudden all the cheering dies down and everyone starts kind of looking at each other through the, the sides of their eyes kind of like, yeah, Ah, we all like attack each other and stuff. What, what do you think? You know that any, any, almost anything would be better than where it's at right now, to be honest, because you, you're sailing all alone on the sea and nothing much is happening. Uh, even, even underwater, there needs to be more aquatic life. Yeah. You're swimming back and forth from the island to your ship. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of a variety of fish, not just a, a school here and there, but maybe, you know, some octopus. Or crabs. Crabs, yes, exactly. Uh, I want to see, you know, little seahorses or maybe mm-hmm. like some sailfish, starfish. Yeah. This, that, and the other. I just want to, you're on the ocean. You have islands. What would you expect to see? Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. And I mean, we haven't really done a lot of deep sea diving. Right. So to be fair, we don't really know what exists. I mean, we have heard that there is a Kraken in the game, which is cool. But yeah, to your point, it would be nice to right. see. I would just like to see more of those supernatural style elements. Because just, I don't know. That of course, comp- or any kind of sea monster. Yeah, just could that, you know, when you think of like the old days of sailing, there was a lot of superstition that were that went on and a lot of stories that were told about the sea. And like, I don't know, like even having like Poseidon himself appear or, or something. Or, or even mermaids and, and mermen. 
You know, if, if you get to the deeper parts of the ocean, you only see one mermaid who's there is like, oh, well, I'll transport you back yeah. to your ship. Yeah. You know, but what about everybody else? You know? No, it's very true. And I, and I hope that they do that because even like when it comes to the weapons, for example, like we talked about how the weapon system is in dire need of variety. Like you, you have your sword and you have your your little uh, musket handgun, your right. shotgun and your sniper rifle, but there are really aren't any kind of customization options that are there for those particular weapons. But also too, like it would be really neat to be able to see some more creative approaches where we're like, what if you were to capture just, and again, I'm just spitballing this, but like, what if you were to capture like an electric eel and you can put that eel into some kind of like crude, like weapon yeah. thing that like <laughs> turns the gun into like some sort kind of, of like <laughs> electrocuting like weapon of some sort. It's to like fall out pirates or something. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean like, like, but how cool would that be? Like right. you, you obviously it wouldn't be exactly like fallout, but just have that sea of thieves theme remain in there with those weapons or, or like, you know, another strategy could be having some kind of crude flamethrower thing where like, if you jump onto an enemy ship, you could use that flamethrower to burn up their sails. So then they have no way of moving. Like that would be awesome. Like just little, little things like that, that if rare were to move forward with giving some serious consideration to upgrading different gameplay mechanics and that sort of thing, different abilities, I think that would just really make for an enriching playing experience. Well, we should probably move on, Russ. We have yet to even talk about Ready Player One. Absolutely. But, I mean, once again, I think that that... <laughs> once again, but back to the other topic. Well, but <laughs> just just to wrap up, I think I think that um, we're enjoying the game. Yeah. I, I think I think that, that it, there, it is a lot of fun, but I think that we both stand by the... The conviction, really, that they're going to have to be Johnny on the spot with, you know, dropping more and more of DLC content to, to keep the interest level high. There was actually a Twitch player too. I just read today who was the first person to reach level fifty, so he achieved legendary pirate status. And so, congrats to that fellow. Indeed, but it if you go search for a quest because we happen to have this person with we are with last night it was like, why are we going to go search for a quest? We're going to search for somebody who to rob their stuff. It's like, yeah. well, that's kind of sucks. I mean, yeah, there's that attitude, but if you're that person where you finally find what you're looking for, you know, you, you sail for an hour to find a one white chicken, yes. you know, and then you, you get destroyed by somebody else and it just saps all the fun. It's not like you, you leave the game going, Oh, well that, that was cool. I still had a lot of fun. No, you were sailing and searching for an hour for this thing. And now it's been robbed of you and you got to go to bed. So to come back to this world, uh-huh. there needs to be more of a welcome, happiness, you know, es- escape of sorts. Ready Player One. If you go in this virtual world, what's going <laughs> to greet you there? He's you know trying what I'm saying? to force feed the Ready Player One into exactly. the conversation. Yeah, and I and I think too, perhaps when they flesh more, because honestly, let's be real, this is a half finished game that got released. Mm-hmm. It's that's kind of the norm these days. It's unfortunate, but it's just the case. It'd be nice if also they were to have just certain modes of play where if you are predominantly wanting to do more PVE versus PVP, you can do that. You have the option to do that. Or if you want to just continue just playing in that more of a sandbox realm where you just want everything to be unpredictable, then you can do that too. But I think giving people options, because yeah, to your point, I totally understand it. It, it sucks. 
when you spend quite a bit of time trying to find something, you're all excited. You got it. And then you get attacked and they steal your stuff. But again, I mean, hence the title sea of thieves. Yeah, I, I get it. So moving on, we, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we will talk more about this game. We will in many more episodes. To of come. course. You and I saw the trailer to Batman Ninja. <laughs> and I got to tell our Joygasm listeners out there, you guys have got to check this out when it comes out. It's supposed to be released, I think, April 26th. Did you put it on our Facebook page? No, I did no. not. Perhaps you can facilitate that. Okay. Most appreciated over there. Mm-hmm. But the, the animation, the drawing quality, all of it... I was blown away. The fidelity. I, I mean, it's not your normal anime. It really isn't. You can tell there was a, a serious amount of attention placed on that, and I cannot wait. And for those of you who haven't seen the trailer, I mean, you, you can YouTube just just YouTube Batman Ninja anime, or just go to our Facebook up. page because it'll be posted. Oh yeah, it'll be up there too. However, the premise of the the movie itself is that they took all of the Batman characters and placed them in ancient feudal Japan. So Batman becomes a bit of like a a samurai warrior. And you also have just like you have the Joker, who's obviously the the arch nemesis, the the rival, that sort of thing. And then um, but at the same time, he's also in kind of like this ancient samurai warrior garb. But but it has like a Joker theme to it. And of course, you know, you have Harley in there and Two-Face and Catwoman. And they just the whole visual style just looks amazing. So I cannot wait to see that. Do you have any comments on that, Steve? No, I concur with everything you're saying, Doctor. Now, another thing worth mentioning, too, is the fact that it was my birthday. And I turned a, a lovely 39. Which, I, I forgot something. There's something in the car for you I forgot to bring up. Did you get me a present? Yes, of sorts. Oh, that's that's very thoughtful of you, Steve. Ah, I, I forgot. A co-worker just nailed it. He said, Oh, you're 39. Oh, good. So it's like, you're on the front porch to the house that is 40. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. He's like, yeah, don't worry. Like all of us who have already turned 40, we're all having a party in that house. We're just like, yeah, come on in. You're out of there. (laughs) So, uh, no, it was fun. I was able to go out with the wife to one of my favorite local restaurants. And I discovered a new style of food. Really? Did you? Well, at least the preparation of the food. Did you? I normally order this this uh, type of steak that's there, but they the, the waitress. I'll take the steak that's you just have here. You, you just you just have, <laughs> it's just steak. Um, but anyway, she asked the waitress asked me, "Well, would you like that Florentine style?" I was like, "Florentine." I'm like, "I don't think I've ever had that." So I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot." And so it comes out. And the side dish is this spinach that is mixed with like, look like onions and like some, I don't know if it was like olive oil or whatever it is, but this, it blew my mind because the spinach was hot. Hmm. It was like steaming piping hot. It wasn't like char broiled or anything like that, but it was just, it was just hot. And um, it came with some red peppers and then the steak itself was, was just sliced already and had like some, some crumbled cheese on there and it came with garlic mashed potatoes. It was just phenomenal. But wow, like I was really blown away by the taste of that spinach. I, I, I'm going to try and learn how to make that because f- up until this, like for the past 39 years, I have only eaten spinach that was cold. I never tried it hot and it is super good, especially <laughs> with the way that they prepared it. So 
That was a lot of fun. Finished off with bananas foster. It's very tasty. I bet it was. Scrubbed Iliocious. And of course, you came over last night and uh, I grilled some marinated salmon. That's right. And what kind of side dishes did we have? Well, we had uh, twice baked potatoes. That's right. And a little green bean casserole. Mm-hmm. And uh, to uh, double up on the starches, we had uh, nice rolls. You know, I actually never got a roll. <laughs> I was rollless. <laughs> Oh, so, boy. birthday boy got a little. Uh, well, they were there. Overlooked on that one. No, they were on the table. No, what happened was the rolls came out and we thought they were done and they weren't done. They were cold in the middle. So then we took them back. We put them back in the oven. Mm. And then by that time, you were so stuffed with everything else. You went on the the, the, the rocking chair and passed out while the rest of us finished our meal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was not used to eating that. You have to understand, I have not eaten that quickly and I don't even know how long. And my stomach was hurting. Like I, I was just, I, I inhaled that plate. It was just so fast. And I, I had to literally get horizontal in order to like just try and take the edge off the pain. And I ended up falling asleep. I was sawing logs and my daughter comes over and kisses me on the cheek, scares me awake. And then I kind of fall back asleep again. And then the second time I wake up, I'm like, okay, pain's gone. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, we also had sauteed mushrooms. We did. It was a tasty treat. Nice meal. Anyway, okay. We will segue over to Ready Player One. Let's just watch the trailer here to refresh our memories. A hidden keep, a leap not taken. Retrace your steps, escape your past. And the key will be yours at last. What part of your past are you trying to escape, Halliday? This is the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. You can do anything. Be anyone. Without going anywhere at all. The Oasis was created by James Halliday, and what he left behind changed everything. A contest. Three impossible challenges. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis, which means complete control of the future. The contest has got to be about connecting with someone, connecting with the world. So we take it together? Sure. That's better. 
I'll wave to you from the finish line. McFly. That went well. Ready Player One. So, high-level thoughts, Steve. And actually, uh, before we get into this, I suppose I could warn the listeners that we'll do a high-level, spoiler-free version first, and then we will actually divulge into the more of the details. So, just so you're aware. Continue. I think, depending on your level of geekdom, nerdhood, Ross, will depend on how much you like or not like this film. I don't think there's going to be anybody who is going to dislike. It's all going to be in a range of like, like to love. Hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Because if you haven't, I mean, you, you, you obviously in the trailer, you're going to see stuff happen that from other movies or games that you have played before. So, sure. you know, a lot of that's already going to be in there. But depending on how much you have played or watched, you're going to go, oh, this is great. I can see all this stuff. Or uh-huh. you'd be like, I don't know what's happening, you know, but it's still a good story. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, there was things that I saw in the movie that I, I wish that they would, uh, they would have shown more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was, there was, uh, some, some stuff that I saw where I wish you would, they would have slowed down a little bit longer. Um, but many, many scenes where as a gamer, I have identified with, uh, you know, talking with people in the community, uh, the gaming community, like we were just speaking about a second ago with, with Sea of Thieves. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to come out and say that it was an A plus movie or anything, but I, I did, it, I enjoyed it, but there was some stuff that I wish they would capitalize more on. Hmm. About you, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a really fun movie. I'm glad that this type of movie focused on just you can tell, like, like it just it focused on the era era that we grew up in. Right. And so when you have millennials, people who are younger, they're not going to be able to necessarily fully appreciate or comprehend some of the, of the visuals or, or nods, if you will, that they made back toward the 70s and 80s. Right. And so I don't know, like for me, that, I think that, that makes it a bit special just being able to see. For me, like the 80s was such a cool time to be a kid. There were, you had different types of technology that at the time was just on like the cutting edge and it acted as a foundation for where we are today. And looking back on it, you can see just how crude everything was. And I don't know. I I always really loved just so many different aspects to entertainment and to the different IPs uh, back in the day. And honestly too, Steven Spielberg directed this movie and you can just see how much of an impact he has had on pop culture with this film, because you just see movie after movie reference, whether it's Jurassic park, you see the T-Rex or you see the DeLorean. Now Robert Zemeckis directed back to the future, but Steven Spielberg was, was the executive producer. He's the one who basically gave Robert Zemeckis a shot at making his first film. I mean, that's a big deal. You have a, a bunch of other IPs too, to be fair, where like, um, Steven Spielberg didn't have a hand in, but a lot of those that you saw were kind of after the eighties a bit. Now that of course you had like Chucky from child's play and that sort of thing. And those were in the trailer and we'll go into more of those characters later on. But, um, it was really neat to be able to see just, just this huge 
coming together of sorts of all these different beloved characters and whatnot, and just seeing them into this, this, this whole world itself. And I found myself wondering if we actually had an oasis, if we actually had something like that, would people gravitate towards some of these older characters from, from previous generations? Right. Well, you think, I think they would. I, the crowd we had in the theater was obviously a lot younger crowd. Sure. I think we were actually the oldest people. The we theater. probably were. We were probably the elderly. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but the, the, the people who are in the front rows, uh, they were talking about something and I wasn't really eavesdropping, but at some point somebody had walked across the front row and made an Avengers reference or mm. some superhero thing. It might've been one of the, the pre previews, you know, sure. when the, they want something they play when the lights are still on. Yeah. And one of the individuals mentioned, Oh, you know, superhero saturation. I thought, yep. You know, that that's coming. Uh-huh. I feel it too. Everybody's yeah. feeling it. And I thought, okay, here is going to be a movie that's going to show a bunch of superheroes or, you know, that, that we all are, I think it's going to show. But they're not even necessarily superheroes. They're just different characters. Right. Let me finish. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So I, superhero saturation is where we're at. And when the movie started and played through and you saw a bunch of different uh, characters and, you know, fictitious this, that, and the other. Yeah. And at the end... All of these people who are under superhero saturation were applauding the movie. Right. And they were all talking about it in the hallways of the theater. Right. And you, you had this this big uh, love letter mm-hmm. that everybody read and signed, basically, <laughs> signed off on. And I thought, okay, it's good that they were careful about not making this superhero, but showing the appreciation for what people have loved playing and, and watching in the past. And the movie itself, of course, is based off the book, Ready Player right. One. And so I was glad to see that they, for the, I would say, most part stuck to a lot of the 80s references because the book was written a, a little while back. I'm trying to think of anything else I could say that's at a high level, but I'm afraid I'm going to like let something slip. I, th- I think if you're not someone who has enjoyed a lot of these fan-based films, heavily fan-based films, mm-hmm. uh, then cult classic, cult classic, then you're probably not going to enjoy the film as much. The story is still fantastic, like I said before. Yeah, uh, but if you are a heavy fan of many of these cult classic, both games and movies, uh, you're going to like it a lot. But I think you're going to want it to slow down. Sure. Yeah. Well, I say we step into the uh, spoiler elevator here as we get to the floor. Don't mind me as I uh, use the Ready Player One keys to activate it. That was nice, Russ. This virtual oasis elevator is filled with wonder and splendor. You would think with that reference that it would shoot up with hypercharged speed. But it still feels like it's going slow. It's going the exact same speed. I think somebody's watching us, though, from one of these cameras. There are a lot of cameras. Don't do anything stupid. Oh, here's our floor. (laughs) All right, so we are going into spoiler alert mode. Uh, So when it comes to the cast, uh, the... (laughs) <laughs> what I w- would like to get out of the way right off the bat is there is a particular uh, character slash actor that I absolutely loved who was um, TJ Miller. 
And he was the one who I think is the character was like IR zero K or whatever, but he was kind of like the henchman that the, uh, the, the evil bureaucrat hired to find right. that orb and he stuff. Was, he was great. Oh my gosh. That guy was just phenomenal. Like, like that right there was almost worth the price of admission alone. Like just, he has, like, I have been a big fan of TJ Miller since I saw him on Silicon Valley, the, the TV show. And ever since then, whether he was in Deadpool or whatever it is he's doing, I mean, I was upset when they killed him off so quickly in Transformers. He was in the Transformers 4, I believe it was. I was just like, he was like the one redeeming thing of the movie. Right. And you killed him off during the first third of the movie. So anyway, awesome that he was in this thing. And, his, and just the look of his character right. was just so fitting when it comes to gaming. Yeah. Like just like you look at him and you're just like, wow, like that, that is to totally something you would see in like a blizzard title or a riot games title or whatever it is. He reminded me of someone who would play with the, the, uh, the character from South park, make love, not Warcraft. Yeah. The, the play, what the player yes. that had no name or what it, what was it? I forgot. But with just his voice and his outfit and every or his costume, everything yeah. about it, I thought, yep, make love, not Warcraft. Totally from it. Yeah, yeah. And I also thought, too, Olivia Cook, um, she played Samantha. I thought she was just adorable. She she was real charming. And, and um, I don't believe I've seen her in a previous film, but I thought she fit the role really well. Right. And Ty Sheridan, who played, of course, the, the main character, who was Wade, um, I thought, you know, I thought he did what was necessary of him of like for the character, but I was not actually really that in, I, here's the deal. I was more attached to his avatar than right. I was the actual real life actor. Yeah. And I think of that actually I can segue into that a bit where I think what's neat about the film is that it, it, it explores the idea that real life is no longer interesting, that they go, everyone likes to go log on to the Oasis because it's just a more fun place to be. And there's all these different types of worlds you can visit and live out your fantasies, et cetera, et cetera. I actually got that impression as we were watching the movie where every time we were kind of in the real world, I found myself just kind of going, all right, I want to get back to the o Oasis. And when, once we were in there, I found myself just really enjoying the, the just the huge cacophony of different characters that are in there. I, and I just, I really enjoyed the, like Wade's avatar. I enjoyed Samantha's avatar. I thought it, they had a little bit of the, the, the facial look from James Cameron's movie avatar, <laughs> a little, a little bit. bit of that yeah, in there, yeah. but not too much. I was almost a little bit different thinking where, yeah, the real world was bleak in a sense compared to the Oasis, but at the same time, Wade's character in the Oasis seemed rather faked or forced, uh -huh. where his character looked like someone you would see out of Final Fantasy, one of the most recent Final Fantasies. Yeah, totally. And I, and I was kind of getting tired of that only because I, I've seen that character day in and day out. All the, I'm like, okay, here we go. I got to watch this for you know an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. But it seemed as if uh, he was trying to come across as more confident with his avatar in the Oasis. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed forced. I, I would rather have seen uh, Wade in the real world develop and become something more. Well, that's interesting. The plot itself, 
was a pretty standard plot. I mean, there's, there's not a lot to, to go off of it. Essentially they, they introduced this, this virtual world that was called the Oasis. You could tell that in this, this near future that a lot of the, the more daily resources and stuff were just no longer of interest. Everybody wanted to live in this world. And of course you had someone who was, you know, some, some evil bureaucrat, <laughs> the, the, type corp, guy. the corporate jerk, the corporate jerk. That's even better. Yeah. Who is of course trying to take over Oasis before for financial gain. Cause of that, that is the thing that is the big money maker, but knows nothing about fandom. Just right. About the money. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like in a nutshell, that, that's kind of what it was where like they had to, everyone was trying to figure out where these three keys were located. So that way, whoever won essentially could then own the Oasis. And again, as a gamer, I enjoyed it. I had a fun time just getting into it with everybody else. It, I actually found myself wishing that I could participate as an avatar and, and go on this, this grand hunt for these three keys and just what all was involved with that. And I really did enjoy too the, just kind of the journey of where these keys were located, how they applied to Holland and just what his personal life was like. And just, I don't know. I, I have always been a big fan of going on adventures when I'm gaming anyway. And so it was fun that, that you could tell they were tapping more into that. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought you you mentioned Holland. I I was fascinated by him only because I think today when you I'll reference back to Sea of Thieves, even though I was pushing you on to Ready Player One, but we were talking about Sea of Thieves and, and how it was released as a half game at this point. Right. And if you watch Ready Player One, there's this discussion between Holland and his business partner, mm-hmm. and Holland is talking about how we need to go in reverse and put the pedal to the middle, mm-hmm. go back to this passion in gaming and not just rush stuff out and, uh, you know, make stuff fun to play just and, and not stuff to put out there, like, you know, just for profit and business. Yeah. And that's what really created this fan base is the games that were finished on launch day. So when you got the game, there was no DLC, there was no updating, there's no, okay, go out and buy it and we'll fix it later sort of thing. It was the game had to be done and it had to be fun and, there would be no fan base if there wasn't those games out in the beginning. Right. And so those types of conversations and, and, you know, Wade was going back there and, and watching all, and all that stuff in his personal life translated into his games that he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the, the whole thing about him missing his kiss for the, his first woman, right. you know, that, this, that, and the other, and movies that he had seen and all the stuff he had to figure out about his life that, that translated into his games, I thought was, very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really did enjoy the parallels and just even the, how the cross pollination of that, where like Holland really made it a point for people to be able to examine his life in order to obtain, obtain those certain keys. And I don't know. I just like, I love the first key, how like, like going backwards instead of forwards and how like he was able to go underneath all the, the racetrack and just see like all the different scripted events that were, um, going to happen and how the other players had to go and had to like navigate through. I mean, that, that is totally like something that you would find in a video game. And I remember playing super Mario brothers for the NES back in the day and how like you can get into that one level where you can actually, if you got high enough, you could actually just run across. You couldn't even see your character, but he's running across the top of the the, right. the, the tiles yeah, yeah, yeah. 
all the way to the end and and just skip all of the trials and tribulations of that level. But it was just awesome that they had included that in there for those who were just all about exploring. And I, I don't know, just little things like that. You could tell that the the creators of the film and especially I have to also give props to um, the author of the book because I have I have, have not read Ready, Ready Player One. So I don't know how much of this is from the book versus how much of it was done by Spielberg. Uh, but I, I just really find myself appreciating little attention to detail uh, moments like that. So, in terms of the cinematography, um, I, I loved all the shots. I mean, every shot was just very well thought out, and that's saying something considering the fact that probably seventy-five percent of this film was done completely in CG. Right. I mean, that is saying a lot in terms of just where the camera angles are, how the, how the lighting is. Clearly, you're going to have a bit more flexibility and freedom just because you're using virtual cameras at that point. But it, there, there's also a challenge, too, to keep these types of, of setups. It's just engaging with the, the audience because sometimes you can go way too far into the weeds and then suddenly it just doesn't work. Or anymore. you can be just obsessed with all the slow-mo angles that, that everybody's beat to death so right. far in, in film. And this one didn't. And if it did, I, I, I didn't pick up on it. The facial animations too have just come so far. Um, right. I found myself, like I said, I found myself getting more attached to the virtual CG characters just because they were able to emote so well with their emotions on their face and just being able to see what was going on and, and that sort of thing. I, I just, I really did like that a lot in terms of the, the framing of the shots too. I mean, Especially when he, the framing when he was putting on the the VR glasses, yeah. I mean that was I I would think that's going to be rather difficult to do because of the VR glasses that we've had today and, sure. and earlier where you put them on and it's just kind of like okay yeah I got it but this looked like it was totally something different and of course I mean when you're in the oasis you have a lot of candy colors and everything is just super neon bright and all that and it's to be, that's to be expected right but it's still I mean I I will completely just step forward and say, Hey, I mean, that was pleasant to the eyes. It was fun mm -hmm. to see. I mean, yeah, it's completely unrealistic, but at the same time, there's a reason why people are drawn to that type of palette, I guess you could say. Well, you think about some of the games that we've played where we don't want to leave, you know, it's, it's a very nice place to be. Like, for example, what comes to mind is the Witcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, oh, no, I can't remember the, the last DLC pack, but you're in this very plush, atmosphere it's happy happy and sunny and warm and the colors are all there and You're everyone's like a winery nice. yeah everyone's talking about wine and good food and love and and you're like wow man i want to stay here i yeah. just want to keep on wandering around talking to people you know i don't want to yeah. leave so uh, in that regard i think the, they had to make the oasis that way and that's why everybody kept on going back and was drawn and didn't want to leave and sure pretty much society as a whole was obsessed with it mm-hmm what did you think of the soundtrack of Ready Player One? At first, I thought it was good, and then it, it just kind of became part of the background. It didn't stand out too much. Uh, I think it was fitting for the movie, but for a Spielberg movie, I thought it didn't, I don't know, hold a candle to some of his other works. Mm -hmm. I tend to agree. Um, I... I, for one, really liked how there were moments where you could hear like a jingle of something that was from like some sort of celebrated movie. 
Like there were, there were definite jingles from back to the future. Like, Love that. Yeah. A lot of, there was a lot of that in there. It was so cool. Right. Or like, I mean, even for the, the characters that were not in the book, but they, they decided to make cameos like hearing tracers voice in there. I mean, yeah. that, that's always satisfying. Um, I'm actually looking to see who the composer was. Mm. I want to say it's John Williams. Cause that's like Steven Spielberg's go-to guy. Hey, 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 Johnny, Johnny, <laughs> make another movie. You want to get, you want to sign on? Oh no, I'm mistaken. It's Alan Silvestri. Who's another awesome composer. He tends to work with Robert Zemeckis most of the time, but I mean, Alan Silvestri is no slouch. That man is very talented. So I, I would be curious. I plan on seeing it again. I'll probably take the wife and we'll go check it out. Or maybe I'll, I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix or something. But I want to pay closer attention to the soundtrack just because I'd be curious to see how many different types of themes were woven into the overall Ready Player One theme itself. Because I could hear certain things, but really there were, there were quite a few sequences in the film where so much was going on visually and audibly that I just really got overwhelmed at times with, mm-hmm. with certain things. But I would be curious if I had some, some nods to Jurassic Park or to King Kong or Battletoads or man, I can't remember. I mean, even Halo, I was curious to, you know, we, there, there were Spartans in there that were charging mm-hmm. forth and that sort of thing. That was really cool. But again, I really want to be able to just focus on the music and see if they were able to do that. Because if not, that would have been a missed opportunity in my opinion. Right. I would have really liked to have seen and just from a creative challenge standpoint, I think that for a composer, that would have been really, really cool to be like, okay, how can we do a successful mashup of all these different types of yeah. cherished themes? I think I just kicked you on the table. Foot. I was thinking of the, uh, the, the choral halo music at some point. Right. You know, but not just splice it in for one and a half seconds, but actually have it be part of one of the, the epic battles. Mm-hmm. Would have been neat. We're gonna have to talk about that epic battle, Russ. Maybe, uh, Go ahead, start talking about it. Here, here, here is something that I, I was looking forward to that I didn't get so much of. You have this plethora of characters, mm-hmm. and it, granted, they only have so much time; they can only show so much on screen. But if you're a fan of certain stuff, I wanted to see more. Like, for example, you saw for a blink, pun intended. Tracer from Overwatch, you know, say something and she was running, but what if she blinked her, her use her ability to blink or to, uh, whatever that ability is called that she go reverses. Yeah. She tra- essentially travels back yeah, in time by little, like, I don't know, 10 seconds. Yeah, or something. exactly. If she uses one of her abilities throughout that epic battle so that any, any tracer player from Overwatch could have been like, yes, sort of thing. Or for example, like the iron giant, if you watch the iron giant, like at the end of the movie, That's I such mean, a good movie. exactly. But he could have taken on pretty much anybody. And they only use basically one cannon that he had. Um, so I thought, okay, mm, no, or like the DeLorean, for example, the DeLorean can fly and he, they made it hover a little bit. Uh-huh. And I thought, what about the, I mean, back to the future two and three, they show the DeLorean fly and what? Right. So, I mean, I would have wanted to see a little bit more of that. Um, we saw the Spartan again, a ton of stuff they showed, but then again, you have to go back and see it or play it in slow motion. I thought, I don't want to have to play the movie in slow motion to capture everything. I just want to see people, uh, that I, uh, characters that I love 
do the abilities that I love for a little bit longer than a blink of an eye. Agreed. I, I would have liked to have seen some just homage opportunities, just like, like what you're saying, just be able to have kind of standalone moments of these cameos where like they're doing something, certain ones you could tell other ones, not so much. And apparently I think there are like 138 different IPs in the film. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, different characters and whatnot in there. And I, I for one really appreciated the approach to this film overall in terms of just having all these different characters live together. And I do think that if there was ever an opportunity to create an oasis, I think that, you know, again, going back to like the sea of thieves model, right? Where it's like, it's just, it's, it's biggest strength is in its community. If you were to able, if you were to extrapolate that out, and look at just what kind of advance tools or approaches to that you could do with, with it, it would be a very satisfying experience, especially if you were to go cross platform, you know, just being able to choose whatever avatar you wanted to play as, and not only choose that as your avatar, but then also perhaps have certain abilities that are unique to those particular characters that people have grown accustomed to have always right. expected from them. In addition to that, also be able to have like, there's just a huge catalog. Like what, what all the characters were constantly doing right at ready player one is they could go through their little virtual catalog and select different yeah. weapons to use and stuff that you would never see <laughs> certain characters actually wielding. Wouldn't it be, have been cool if in that Epic battle, you had like 20 people choose a Reinhardt. And then, you know, you had a Reinhardt shield on like Echo One or something from Ghostbusters. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then everybody behind them shooting it. That would have been so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And who, I mean, it's unfortunate. Here's the deal. It's, it's, it's a bit of a bummer in a way that this movie is based off a book because if they were to do a sequel, it, it just wouldn't be right. Cause right. it's like, no, this is, this is supposed to be based off the book. Yeah. I think I, Really enjoyed this the same way that I enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph, which I know you haven't seen, but it takes the same type of premise in terms of all of these different types of gaming characters living in the same world together. And it, it's, I don't know, I find it so cool to have something like that, that it would be great to have another type of film that would be kind of in the same vein as Ready Player One, but again, do a bit more exploring with having both gaming characters and movie characters just mashed right. up into this world together. It would just like, like to your point, it'd be crazy to see like Ecto one with the ghostbusters. Then you have Reinhardt who's on the yeah. front like trying to deliver the payload. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, and I mean, player, these characters, players main in these games. So you can imagine how good they would be. It wouldn't just be like a firing squad. Right. It would be a ton of, mastered abilities. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now to wrap things up, what would you say in conclusion and uh, what kind of rating would you give? I hope they bring out an extended version of the movie. Please bring out an extended version of the movie. That'd be cool. Uh, I wanted, I, it, it was basically what I thought it was going to be in the trailer. I wanted it to be more when I saw the movie, but it was yeah. basically what I thought in the trailer. It's, it's a good movie. It's not great. It is fun. I would say, uh, I'm gonna probably going to get kicked from friends of mine, but I would say about three and a half out of five stars. Okay. 
I, I would definitely see it again. Definitely pick it up if there's an extended version. Um, I think there's a lot more meat that was had that they probably had to cut out in, in, in order to make time constraints, I guess I could, I should say. Yeah. But I, I'd be curious. I agree. I give it 3.5 stars as well. I really enjoyed the movie. I think that in terms of it being a Steven Spielberg movie, I didn't really get the impression that the movie itself had like the Steven Spielberg touch, if right. that makes any sense. Because typically every time you go to a Steven Spielberg movie, I mean, you can, there's like a certain, I don't know what it is, but but you can tell it is a Steven Spielberg movie. And in this particular film, I got inklings of that here and there where it's like, whoa, like, like when he finally, when Wade Wilson was able to meet Holland or the virtual Holland or whatever. And, and just seeing like, like the younger version of himself playing the Atari and, and he's talking to him and just asking these questions, that sort of thing. That was totally a Spielberg moment. Right. But there are several other scenes in the movie that just did not have that feeling. And I am a huge Steven Spielberg fan. I absolutely love the way he tells stories. So it was a little bit of a shortcoming in my opinion that this film really did not have uh, an overabundance of that, that Spielberg experience. Right. But having said that, it wasn't something that just completely knocked it com- down for me. And I, I just didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it quite a bit. I would say it's hard to be a fan of this movie as opposed to other Spielberg movies because yeah. of all the references to movies that you're already a fan of right. incorporated in here. There, there, it's hard to take something out of the movie and be a hardcore fan of it because of all the other stuff that's included. Right. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's totally true. I also have some fun trivia. Mm. Courtesy of IMDb, of course. In an interview, Steven Spielberg said this was the third most difficult film he has made in his career. Hmm. Behind Jaws from 1975 and Saving Private Ryan from 1998. Hmm. Christopher Nolan, Robert Zemeckis, Matthew Vaughn, Peter Jackson and Edgar Wright were all considered to direct this film. Oh, I wonder what it would have been like with Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Or even Christopher Nolan. Like, how would he do it? Yeah, I don't know. That would be difficult. Robert I, Zemeckis could rock it too. I mean, Robert Zemeckis, that's the man behind Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Death Becomes Her. I mean, yeah, but that's those aren't really movies that are, you know, very fiction, science fiction you know, I mean, if you if you think about Lord of the Rings and uh, The Hobbit, that mm-hmm. Peter Jackson did it more of the fantasy, a masterful job of. You would definitely have, I think, very different approaches yeah. to how the the film was made. Right. I mean, all of those, I'd be I'd be curious to see like what their take would be on that. Yeah. It reminds me almost of like when you have some popular comic book that. Um, another celebrated artist will guest pencil on and all of a sudden, so like, like, you know, Jim Lee will be penciling Todd McFarlane's spawn. Right. And so you look at it, you're like, Whoa, that looks cool too. It's different than like what I'm used to, but it's still cool. It'd be interesting if they were going to make continuations of the Oasis, but Spielberg said, no, this is the, I'm, this is the only one I'm going to make, but I, but if another director wants to throw his hand in here and then Peter Jackson, you know, or somebody else raises their hand and go, yeah, I'll direct this one. And you direct the third one sort of thing. And you can get these totally different views of, you know, the director views of fandom movies. I think that'd be pretty crazy. 
The film is directed by Steven Spielberg, who himself is actually mentioned in the original novel by Ernest Cline that the film is based on. Mm. Spielberg stated that he would be removing references of his movies. So it's. I thought that was pretty interesting when I first heard that in the news, just because on the one hand, I get it. Like as an artist, as someone who's a creative if you trump your horn a little too hard, yeah. it, it just feels kind of weird. That that seems like a, something St- Spielberg would do, though. But again, Spielberg has had such a phenomenal impact on pop culture just when it comes to storytelling over the past, like, 30 years, 40 years. It's almost impossible. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to be able to tell this story without his contributions, I say. Right. Before his untimely death, Gene Wilder was approached by director Steven Spielberg who wanted him to appear in the film. Wilder respectfully declined. Hmm. Do you know who Gene Wilder is? Do you? Uh, I do, but I, I can't remember what he's done. Willy Wonka on the chocolate. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I, was getting, I was getting visions, but I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. The music score was originally going to be composed by longtime Steven Spielberg collaborator, John Williams. Hmm. Or seems a collaborator. I'm going to enunciate that a little bit better. However, due to scheduling conflicts, working on another Spielberg film, The Post, he left and Alan Silvestri took over. This was only the third film where Spielberg did not collaborate with Williams. Interesting. And I would have been uh, also, once again, like when it comes to composing, I would have been very curious to see what John Williams would have done versus Alan Silvestri. And going back to that kind of like that, that Spielberg experience, that Spielberg feel, I do think that John Williams' scores definitely are a, a major component to how that whole experience gets created. Just my opinion. Hmm. <gasps> The film was scheduled to be released on December 15th of 2017. The date was pushed back until March 30th, my birthday, (laughs) to avoid competition with Star Wars The Last Jedi. Of course. That's a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. Also, I would would assume that they put it there not to compete with the Avengers. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think think they had to find a little happy spot. And speaking of the Avengers, I'm glad they made reference to the Avengers and the characters, but you didn't see any of them in the movie because that, like that one individual said in the theater, were kind of super saturated with superheroes. Gotcha. Speaking of Willy Wonka, the teaser trailer contains an orchestral version of the song Pure Imagination. You know that song? Mm Mm-hmm. From the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It also contains a segment of the song Tom Sawyer by Rush. In the end of the first trailer, the song Jump by Van Halen, I remember that, Mm -hmm. transitions to a sample of the intro song of Back to the Future Part 2 and Back to the Future Part 3. This is actually Steven Spielberg's first science fiction film since War of the Worlds of 2005. Been a long time coming. It's uh, about, what, 13 years? Yeah. You know, we were, speaking of the music, we were talking about this the other the other day about all the '80s references mm-hmm. and how like the music was a lot more fun back then. And uh, even though you have many millennials watching the movies now who didn't grow up during that time, they're getting reintroduced to all this music. Oh, it's very fitting and classic now, even like it was back then. Well, and speaking of music, mm-hmm. this is this is a, a bit of a, a doozy here. 
Alan Silvestri worked closely with director Steven Spielberg to achieve the right direction for the original musical score that would not only be original and distinctive, that would not allude to any of the film's 1980s and 1990s pop culture references, but also to evoke and enhance the film's story and tone of optimism, innocence, beauty, and a sense of wonder and old-fashioned adventure that many of the Hollywood films of the 1980s and the 1990s utilized to great effect. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Spielberg said of Silvestri's musical score for the film, quote, while all sorts of culturally iconic references populate Ready Player One, the score that Alan Silvestri composed is completely and intoxicatingly original. It's bound together by multiple themes that identify plot and character and is infused by such percussive adrenaline and soaring strings that Alan has made Ready Player One appear to fly, end quote. Hmm. So that goes back to kind of a bit what we were discussing regarding the score and how, I don't know, I still stand by my opinion. It would have been nice to have seen more of those other types of themes interwoven in there somehow, some way. But I'll have to take a, a listen, like a proper listen to the soundtrack proper. itself. Just, you know, see. Now, Michael Keaton no. was considered for J.D. Holiday. So the man who made Oasis, they were thinking of Michael Keaton playing that character. That would have been interesting, maybe different. I Not a bad thing, though. I'd be very, very curious how Michael... Yeah, that, that really perks my ears. Mm-hmm. How, like what... Excuse me, I had a little bit of the burpage going oh, there. Gross. Ugh. Get it off your microphone. So with this being Steven Spielberg's latest film... What number does this make in terms of how many films Steven Spielberg has made up to this point? If you had to just guess. Uh, yeah, I was going to say 15, but that's probably not it. Brother. This is Steven Spielberg's 33rd film. Man's made a lot over the Several years. Well, it's kind of what he does, Ross. That's true. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, da, da, da. Looking down, looking down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane Douglas from the video game YouTube channel Outside Xbox is an extra in this film. In the first trailer, she's sitting just behind a guy with a number 665312 on his helmet. That's pretty cool. One of the, the scenes that I like in the movie, or something they, they played out, was when Wade and uh, Samantha uh, finally met, and they both have these alternate personalities within the Oasis and she makes the reference. You like me here because this is the character that I made and this is who you're in love with, Mm -hmm. which almost everybody who's playing a video game is playing somebody they admire. Yeah. Or has abilities that they wish they had Mm -hmm. or looks completely different than, than, than they look. Yeah. If it's more confident or more attractive or bigger or smaller or whatever it is. And so you didn't know how H was going to look. You didn't know how uh, Samantha was going to look. You didn't know how anybody was going to I mean, Samantha didn't know how Wade was going to look. And so when they finally meet, you know, she just looks like a normal person. I mean, she's beautiful. 
she didn't look like the person in, in the game, but she looked better in a sense. Mm-hmm. You can see a lot more of the color in her eyes. And she, of course, she's real. You see the shine in her hair. And she's not just some fictitious person. She's actually real. And yeah. she's beautiful. She's more beautiful than she was in the game. Mm-hmm. And Wade makes the comment, like, I will. I mean, it's your personality right. that I, that is making you beautiful. You, you know, I'm not attracted to this avatar person that you created yeah it's cool yeah it's cool but i mean it's not like we would not be compatible in the real world i mean we're getting along very very well right now i do love the irony it's just just one more side note i love the irony of how wade's buddy h Right. Was talking to him about one point about Samantha and saying, you don't know if, she, if yeah, yeah, she's yeah. even a girl. Like she might be some like 50 year old dude, dude somewhere, like, you know, wanting to give you a hug or whatever. And then <laughs> he puts his big hand on his shoulder. <laughs> Glunk, yeah. yeah. And then like when Wade actually meets the real H in real life, yeah. how like it's, it's not a guy, it's actually a yeah. girl, the reversal of it and yeah. stuff. And she kind of gives him a look like, yeah, sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, well, that kind of thing was just, I, don't know, I thought that was, that was one of the highlights of the movie. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate spending time with all of you lovely listeners. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but certainly not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, in which case, probably right now, there's a very good chance you might see us sailing the high seas and see if thieves are perhaps making a bounce back to Overwatch. You never know. We're even playing uh, The Way Out. <clears throat> it's a way out. Oh, man. Not The Way Out. A way out. Right. Get him confused with Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Until next time, we will see you in the Oasis. Blah!